Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome back to the It's Cavalier podcast. Today I'm joined by special guest host Justin Rowan of the Chase Down Pod, now a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers media family, along with Carter Rodriguez. Man, Justin, I know you guys have talked about this a lot in your last two episodes, so I won't harp on it, but I just got to ask, man, when you first started this whole endeavor, this whole podcast life, did you ever envision getting off to this height? <laughs> Not even slightly. And uh, thank you so much for having me, man. I uh, really do appreciate it. Um, no, it, it's not something that I, I ever really had in mind. I mean, this is uh, something that is a passion of mine, right? But this is kind of a creative outlet. It's my space to talk hoops and whatnot. Um, but it's not my career and it's not Carter's career either. It's not really the direction we're planning on going. So the fact that something we built from scratch as a hobby that we care a lot about, we put a lot of effort into, but still at the end of the day, a hobby uh, for it to turn into this is really something that's quite remarkable. It's, as you said, it's very surreal, um, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, still very, very shocking. That's got to be, man. Yeah, for uh, <laughs> that's got to be a, a podcaster's dream for something like that to happen, especially to be a proud, you know, fan of such a a good sports fan base. You know, mm-hmm. just to be included on something like that has to be pretty awesome. Uh, but like I said, I'm sure you you guys have talked this up in your last few episodes, so I won't harp on it. So we'll get right to the good stuff. All right, sounds good. I'm I'm more used to talking about. Uh, basketball and other things, not the focus being on me. Like I, I find that I get, I start blushing and all that stuff. <laughs> like I'm used to co- focus being on content that I produce, not necessarily me. So it, that's uh, definitely a, a weird place to be. Yeah, I could definitely understand that. Alrighty. So Cavaliers, man, four game win streak. We're sitting at 14 and 21 right now. And it's been the talk of Twitter recently. Dean Wade, his insertion into the lineup has really sparked things. He's not doing a lot in in regards to statistically speaking. I mean, he did have a 12-rebound game uh, the game before last, but he's not doing anything special, and he's still impacting the game in a very good way. So the question I want to ask you is, 
one that I'm sure a lot of Cavalier fans have on their minds right now, and that is what what the hell's going to happen when Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr., Torin Prince, and possibly even Matthew Delvadova come back? What- yeah, so I, I think you're going to go to a more natural look, which I, I think the value of what you're seeing with Dean Wade being in the lineup is, hey, look, it's an actual power forward. A lot of the struggles they were having, whether it be Jetty Osman or Torian Prince starting at the four, is because they just weren't able to rebound. They, they weren't able to end possessions. And the Cavs are a team that doesn't really have the personnel to play a positionless lineup just yet. Um, and what we really were seeing is just putting a, a power forward size body in Dean Wade is having such a big impact. I, I think obviously what Kevin Love's going to bring to the table is an elevated version of that. Uh, I think you're going to see more pick and pop with Darius Garland uh, as well as Colin Sexton. Uh, it's going to open things up for Jared Allen. You're also going to see those high low feeds uh, from Love to Allen, uh, who's very good at getting that deep post position. And then with Larry Nance, um, he, he's going to be the third big. Like he, he's going to be that guy off the bench, uh, probably still playing near starters minutes, maybe even playing some minutes with Kevin Love uh, so that they both get the minutes that they deserve. But that's going to give that playmaking to the second unit because they've been missing that so much. They've missed having uh, some sort of floor general with that second unit. It, it's been a lot to ask of Colin Sexton and getting Nance as well as Delhi. Uh, back into that mix, I, I think is going to make this team more balanced. With that being said, though, it just, you know, you look up and down the roster and it just makes you wonder, Justin, who gets bumped out? Obviously, you know, we have a guy like JaVale McGee who has been nothing but just the professional. He comes in whenever you need him to. He doesn't gripe about minutes. He's the consummate pro and he's a very good mentor. So, we know he's probably a guy who could get bumped from the rotation and not bother him too much at this point in time, but who else? I mean, this team could easily, the way we're playing right now without those guys, when they do come back, you could easily look and see possibly, you know, 12 deep. So I don't envy JB Bickerstaff because he's going to have to have a lot of tough conversations in regards to that lineup. But what do you think would be the ideal 10 man group? So starting lineup and then bench. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's going to be a bit of a mix, right? Like when, when you're talking about who's going to get bumped, uh, there's obvious candidates like Dean Wade, Lamar Stevens, I, I think might have his minutes cut uh, pretty significantly. JaVale is an obvious one as well. Um, but the nice thing about having depth is it allows them to get back to that culture of accountability that they were talking about developing before the season where, yeah, we might have a 10 man lineup on a given night, but if you're not bringing the same energy and the same commitment to both ends of the floor that they expect, uh, there's guys that are waiting that have earned minutes in the past. And I I think that's a really valuable spot to be in. Uh, But when you talk about starters, I I think you're going to get Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Love, and Allen all together. Uh, Second unit, uh, Jetty, Windler, um, Torian Prince, Larry, and maybe McGee. Um, I I can see it kind of changing up where maybe they want to get more minutes for Stevens because he's really earned it. Um, and, and McGee kind of falls out of the rotation in some day games, they're probably going to go 12 deep. Like that, that's the reality of it. You might not see a ton of minutes for Delhi, um, but just some minutes to stabilize that second unit wouldn't surprise me. So I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me to see them go 12 deep. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. You uh, talked about Lamar Stevens, man. He really has played his way onto this team. And he's another guy like Dean Wade who's not doing anything spectacular, statistically speaking, but the the drive, the hustle, the heart that he brings. And he's played some pretty good defense, too. Um, I'd imagine that JB and company would love to keep the young guys, uh, keep them out there, you know, get them minutes, let them get acclimated, especially the two-way guys. Uh, so it's definitely going to be a tough situation, and we probably could go 12 deep depending upon matchups. And uh, JaVale McGee last night, man, he was he was definitely <laughs> feasting. I'm sure you saw. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was funny. It was almost like he was toying with them at some times, like where he's just holding the ball basically like a volleyball and placing yeah. it on the back bar and placing it in. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Lamar Stevens, I mean, that's such a feel-good story. And to me, it's a testament of how much talent is available in coming into the league because this is a guy that went undrafted. Obviously, his age has something to do with that. But guys develop at different tracks and, and you see guys that are undrafted, Fred Van Vliet, uh, Lou Dort, a whole bunch of other guys come in and make a big impact. And Stevens is another one of those guys. Like in a lot of ways, it almost reminds me of like a discount version of Okoro where, yeah, he's right. four years older than Okoro, but if Isaac gets in that foul trouble, you can pull him for Stevens and have Stevens go out there and say, Hey, just shut this guy's water off, be physical with him body them up and considering that they have kind of high usage guys and guys that are able to carry the offense on their own, it, it opens up uh, a role for a guy that's just a specialist that can go out there and give you good, hard minutes. Um, so I'm really happy to see him kind of work out with the Cavs. Uh, credit to their scouting and their player uh, development staffs for getting him to this point where he is a reliable contributor. But I, I think he's shown enough to, you know, keep him around and, and see if he can kind of stick in the rotation. Yeah, he's definitely – a part of the core moving forward if he can develop a shot in my eyes. Uh, speaking yeah, no of kidding. Isaac Okoro, man, uh, guy's only averaging a little over eight points, 2.7 rebounds, 1.9 assists, but the box score and his stat line does not even begin to tell the story of how much he impacts this starting lineup mm-hmm. uh, in the heart. One thing that I have noticed, uh, as most Cavaliers fans probably have noticed, is his reluctance in the past to really take shots, especially from deep. But as of his last six game, I think uh, he's about 12 or 29. Uh, I think that's good for about 40, 41 percent. But he has really started to incorporate that into his game. And that was a major gripe uh, coming out of Auburn for him. So you know how Twitter is, man, especially Cavalier Twitter. People tend to overreact. People tend to <laughs> definitely play things up, especially in regards to these young guys. Uh, mm-hmm. With him, you can always see the the potential that he has as possibly a high-end 3 and D wing. And I think we're really starting to see him round into form, especially as the lineup is what it is right now. Do you think he was he was worth that five pick? Would you have drafted him that high? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I think uh, by the end of the draft process, I had him at number two or three on my board. Um, I I know uh, uh, Javoni had him at number two as well, I believe, uh, on on his big board. 
Man, like a lot of this draft class, the talk going in was this is a class that's going to take time. Like in a good year under normal circumstances, this was going to take time. And what we had instead was basically a year off for these guys, rush training camp, rush preseason. And now you're playing every other day. You're playing a condensed schedule, more difficult than any other circumstances rookies have gone through. And I mean, you, you've seen some guys step up, but for the most part, like you're not drafting Isaac Okoro for what he can do in year one. Um, and maybe the championship kind of ruined some of the patience for cast fans. Like we, we, we want to get back to that feel good uh, as quickly as possible, but what he's doing on the defensive end, you talk to scouts, you, you talk to people around the league, it's special. Like his positioning is really, really good. Uh, I know a lot of people will just kind of look at the results, but when you go back and you watch the tape, you watch his positioning uh, for a rookie playing that kind of minutes, getting the assignments he gets, it's man, it's really, really impressive. And oh, yeah. I, I think you were you were correct to note kind of the recent change because going into that Denver game, uh, JB Bickerstaff challenged these guys to shoot more threes. This is a coaching staff that wants to shoot threes, and they're fighting those natural tendencies. Sexton's a slasher. Garland's a pass first guy. Okoro is a defense first player. Like, and and those were their only perimeter guys. So they're fighting those tendencies and trying to get them to change. And since that game, I, uh, or uh, since that break where they had time to practice, they had the opportunity to kind of put in some new sets and, and find ways to get three-pointers, Coral's taking more threes, and he's shooting about 34% from there. So I, I think the, the confidence is one of the biggest things. Um, and patience, patience as well, because, I mean, look at last year, sophomore season for Colin Sexton, 26 games into this, uh, his sophomore season, he was only shooting 29% from three. People forget that with how strong he finished. Kawhi Leonard never scored 30 points in a game until his fifth season in the league. Like growth happens at different rates. And this is still a 19 year old that's being asked to defend the best players every single night, night in night out forward guard. It doesn't matter. He's playing 35 minutes against them. Uh, for what you're expecting out of him, uh, like <laughs> I, I'm pre- pretty impressed with what he's brought to the table. I couldn't agree more, man. You just look at what we live in a world now where everything, especially in the NBA, it has to be expedited. Everything has to be from day one. If these guys aren't coming out of the gate just exploding, they're considered, you know, not living up to their height. But for him, I mean, you also look at the draft positioning. Cleveland had the fifth pick. You know, everybody expected that we'd be in the top three and we'd be able to snag one of those guys. But, you know, there was no Wiseman available. There was no uh, Edwards available. There was no ball available. And for what Cleveland needed, direly on the wing was a defender. So they hit it out of the park so far, if you ask me. Yeah, and, and I mean, it was a really weak draft class. Like, LaMelo has been better than I expected early on. Like, I, I was a believer that out of this draft, if there was going to be a star, it'd be him. But, like, the rest of the class, like, Wiseman's struggling. Uh, Anthony Edwards has had highlights, but he's shooting 37%. Inefficient. Yeah, he, he's inefficient. He, he doesn't play any defense. Um, like, this was not supposed to be a good draft class. This was supposed to be one of the worst ones in the last 20 years. And that what that normally means uh, when people talk about draft classes is how ready they are to contribute right away. At the end of the day, it still comes down to player development. You can get stars anywhere in the draft. You can get all stars anywhere in the draft. It usually just requires more work. 
And Isaac Okoro is someone that by all accounts has a great work ethic. And I have confidence in his ability to figure out whatever his ceiling is and get there. Like, I don't think he necessarily has like all-star potential, but I think he can be a hell of a wing player uh, kind of in the mold of, let's say like a Mikhail Bridges. Certainly. Yeah. I, I see it as he has, I don't think he's ever going to quite be a star, but I do think he has all NBA defense uh, written all over him in the future. If he continues at the rate that he's at. Uh, speaking of these young guys, man, what do, what are you making of Dylan Windler? I mean, he's not he cooled off a little bit, <laughs> uh, but he certainly, man, had seven really good rebounds yesterday, and he's playing pretty decent minutes. He had nineteen last night. What are you making of Dylan Windler, and what do you think his future is? And he's our uh, he's our veteran young guy. Uh, <laughs> I have such I have such a tough time projecting what his future is, just because there is a the little bit of a health question obviously with him missing his entire rookie season. But at the same time, this wasn't a guy that missed a lot of time before then, right? So hopefully it's just kind of one bad injury, but the sample size is still small. Um, I'm certainly encouraged by the fact that he seems to be doing a lot of little things well. Uh, He rebounds well. I I think he makes smart passes. um, He plays good team basketball. Positioning's good defensively. He has active hands and gets some steals. I just, what I want to see is more confidence. Like, I, I, I don't want this guy to have a conscience. I want him to go out there and pull. Because you see, even with Jetty Osman, like, Osman came in much worse shooter. Like, that was someone they had to develop that jumper from the ground up. But, like, now he is pulling up from all over the court. And that turned into a volume shooter. <laughs> right. And, 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 like, that attention that you draw from the defense by being someone that's always willing to shoot is massive whether or not you hit the shot. And I I think Windler can do that aspect of the game at a higher level than Osman. And once he realizes that, like, it's going to make a big impact for this team. Like, that was one of the big sources of tension uh, for Miami with Duncan Robinson in his rookie year. Like, people forget he only played about 24 games, uh, didn't really shoot well from the floor, uh, was a hesitant shooter. And Spolster basically said, hey, man, I see you in practice. Go out there, take those shots. Like, just fire him up. I, if, if you pass up a shot, I'm pulling you. And that needs to be the mentality for Windler because they need someone that can go out there and provide that kind of volume shooting from the outside. And I mean, he's got the shooting touch to get it. It looks like they've sped up his release to, to get uh, those shots off quicker. He's got Certainly. that left-handed long high release point. So um, I, I'm, I'm confident that he can be a good shooter, but it's going to be consistency, right? Like when you're not a star, you have to figure out what your role is and do it on a consistent level. And if you can, team can't really count on you. And eventually you get replaced in the rotation. Yeah, he definitely has high potential as a shooter. And I, like you said, I think it's pretty key that he tries to figure out what his specific role is. I think, you know, coming out of Belmont, he was an excellent shooter. And we've seen like teases of that uh, since he's come back. But he has to do it on a consistent basis. Uh, man, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, you know, Jared Allen, mm-hmm. since he's been inserted into the starting lineup, I think he's at about 17 and a half points, almost 13 rebounds as the starter taking over for Drummond. At, for what you have seen out of Allen at this point, would you consider maxing him out? So the reported asking price for Allen was 590. Uh, I would give him that without blinking. Um, I would probably go a fair bit higher as well. Like if you're talking like five one ten, 
Um, That's about, what was that? They're like Clint Capella numbers, I believe. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'd give him the Capella contract, no problem. I mean, you're talking about a 22-year-old that's already this good. He's not near his prime yet, um, or not near his peak, I should say. Like, man, in the modern NBA, you either have a uh, Jokic-type center where they can be an offensive hub, Bam, uh, Joel Embiid, they fit into that category. The other side of that is a guy that just knows his role, and that's exactly what he does. He has good footwork. Uh, you can see the development and the progress he's made as a passer out of the short role. Uh, he's got touch. He can hit his free throws, shows a little bit of that pick-and-pop game, uh, and, and has hit some threes with the Cavs as yes. well. Yes, <laughs> not scared to step out and hit that three, man. And no question about it. I'm signing him long-term. He wants to be in Cleveland. That is such a big part. The other thing is he fits so perfectly with the young guys that they have. They have so many pick and roll type players with Garland, Sexton, um, and just having him as a weapon has opened their games up so much. And for me, if you're talking about the next five years, like it's, that is so crucial for their development and having Jared Allen with them uh, is a no brainer. So to me, I I don't hesitate. I I give him the money he wants. Yeah, I would too. Um, I know I'm going to get killed for saying this, but I got to say it anyway. I want to get your thoughts on this. Andre Drummond. uh, So we know, you know, he's a buyout candidate or he might be traded. We'll have to see what happens with him. But prior to the Jared Allen acquisition, wasn't really playing that bad. You know, granted, he's not as efficient as Allen has been, but he clearly was he was buying in to whatever JB was selling and he was playing at a you know pretty high level. You still see the the inconsistencies and the bonehead uh boneheaded plays from you know every now and then and you see him try and you know walk the ball down the court at certain points when you just know he shouldn't be. Yeah. But honestly, man, I can't help but feel just a little bit bad for Drummond because of the position he's in. He obviously there is a financial aspect to what he did when he ch- uh, when he chose to remain in Cleveland and sign that player option. But it seemed as if he actually did want to be in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I think obviously with the Allen acquisition, you know that kind of signaled that uh, he was not in Cleveland's future plans. And it's got you can't help but feel bad for a guy when that does happen because there was a clear drop off in play and you could see it in his demeanor almost immediately on the court. But uh, what do you make of Jump? Do you think he can still contribute to a uh, title contending team? I think so, absolutely. And I, I think the points you're bringing up are, are smart. Like it's so easy to forget that these guys are humans, right? Like, uh, obviously, there was some interest in a long-term union between the Cavs and Drummond. Uh, it was reported that they had contract extension discussions. They couldn't come to an agreement on what that dollar value would be, which meant that he wasn't going to be in Cleveland in the long term. But once Allen is there, it's clear, okay, well, this is this is their franchise center. This is who they're going forward with. And it's tough to not have your attitude and and your effort levels get impacted by that. Um, But it's also important to know he was a big part of why they were winning early in the season. Like his defensive effort was really good. It was the best of his career. Uh, He and Larry Nance were a massive part of that winning. And 
I, the main thing with Drummond is if you're talking about whether or not he can contribute to a winning team, I think it just needs to be a team where they have the cachet of, we have a star, we have a proven culture. Uh, you're not going to be the number one guy. Uh, we just need you to go out there and perform this role because he hasn't really had that. Like in theory, maybe Kevin Love would be the number one guy in Cleveland um, at least from like a face of the franchise standpoint, but they didn't even play like a hundred minutes together. Like they almost never played together. Colin Sexton um, has stepped up in that way now, but that's not someone that's proven. He never had someone clearly better than him in Detroit. Uh, He led them to the playoffs. So I I think if he ends up in on a team like Toronto with Lowry and Siakam and Nick Nurse in place or uh, Brooklyn, where they obviously have a hierarchy of stars there or the Lakers where it's LeBron and AD, uh, obviously those last two would be buyout candidates versus a trade i i think he can absolutely contribute like it's i i think once his role is simplified and he just has to kind of uh play within himself it's going to work out pretty okay so i'm hoping he finds a good landing spot i I don't expect a big return back for the Cavs. it was just kind of a you know a a little bit of a gamble on hey maybe it'll work out with the young guys it costs the Cavs basically nothing to acquire him so why not test it out Certainly. Uh, what would be your ideal trade for him? Man, I, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping for like a second round <laughs> pick and back and like maybe some expiring deals. Um, I, I think there's maybe like an interesting, uh, the best case scenario would be a scenario I kind of played around with, which if Toronto is looking to trade Kyle Lowry, they get in that as a third team where, uh, let's say Lowry goes to Philly, Tyrese Maxey goes to Toronto along with Drummond and a pick from Philadelphia. Cavs take on salaries like Danny Green and uh, Mike Scott along with a second round pick. Uh, maybe Matisse Thibel, they, they can find a way to get him out of that deal. Uh, but like that's pure speculation. I, I think expiring contracts, maybe like Nerlens Noel, Frank Nilakina and a second round pick uh, could get it done if, if the Knicks are interested. Yeah, uh, there's certainly been a lot thrown out there. <laughs> I know mm-hmm. the. Uh, I gotta ask, and I'm sure this is a non-starter, uh, but do you think Mavericks would ever consider KP for Joman straight up? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you asking, but uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I I can't foresee that. I I don't think KP has great value right now. Honestly, like I don't know how much interest I'd have in that. That's a lot of money tied up into KP and uh, Kevin Love. And I understand how good he is, and that's a better return than you're going to get for Drummond. But that is a lot of money tied up into those dudes, and I'm I'm just a little uneasy with uh, counting on KP to bounce back at this point. Yeah, I definitely could understand that. Cavs had to uh, have to plan ahead for Sexton's contract as well. Uh, man, before I let you go, I did want to ask you uh, one last question, uh, just a personal one. Eh, I guess it's pertaining to basketball. What is your favorite non-title Cleveland Cavalier moment? Oh, my God. Um, favorite non-title Cleveland Cavalier moment? Probably uh, the Kyrie double-nickel game. Uh, or not double-nickel. That was the 57, right? Uh, the uh, the Portland one was the double-nickel. 
Kyrie against the Spurs was really high up there. Very good game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I still remember that because I had friends over. I was drunk. I was trying to do a recap for that game. I had already ridden it, and then Kyrie hit the shot to put it overtime. I'm like, I guess I'm throwing this out. And (laughs) I had to uh, cobble together something for that. So uh, that was a a really fun night. And, uh, man, like that, it felt like that was the night where Kyrie kind of earned LeBron's trust. And that, that was really cool because we just got so much fun basketball after that. Certainly. Yeah, the Kyrie era, you know, while it was too short, in my opinion, it definitely yielded some good returns. Uh, man, thanks for stopping by. Hey, no problem at all, man. A- anytime, really appreciate you having me on. Certainly. I, uh, <laughs> I'd love to get Carter on this, so maybe I can uh, get you guys back both time. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll need to try to get him on. Uh, he's tougher to book because uh, I like I I struggle getting him on just the, the two times as uh, a parent of I guess his daughter's one now, uh, but still very young. So uh, we'll, we'll, we will need to work something out, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll still be around doing this podcasting thing for a while. So that might open up some opportunities. <laughs> I hope so, man. Well. Uh, Thank you again, and uh, man, take it easy. You as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you haven't already subscribed to Chase Down Podcasts as well as the It's Cavalier Podcast, you can also hit us up on Twitter at It's Cavalier underscore pod. Y'all have a good day.